0: John Freer covers the Coromandel Peninsula and Hauraki District uh, for CFM local news reporter. Uh, Welcome, John. Always great to have you with us.
1: Good morning, Catherine.
0: How did tourism fare over the long weekend? Did the punters come? Well, it was interesting listening to Cindy Lauper and
1: singing True Colours because the region did really show its colours at the weekend. And Labor Weekend was just the sort of tonic that our business community and everybody wanted, Catherine. So it was a great shot in the arm. It wasn't as big as last year, people have told me. Um, But with a great combination of a a large number of events and good weather, uh, tourists came, holiday homeowners came, so it was really pleasing to see.
0: There's some cash flow, but also it's just that emotional and psychological lift of seeing light at the end of the tunnel, yeah? Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, that very much so. And I did a phone around on Monday night just to the various towns, to the local business communities. And it was everybody was encouraged. They were feeling good. People had gone home, had a busy weekend, putting their feet up. You know, Marie Smith, who's got a business in Tyra, she said she couldn't believe it, but people were coming into her shop who had not, and these are holiday home and batch owners who actually hadn't been to Tyra or since Cyclone Gabrielle. So, you know, that just shows you the impact that it's had.
0: Cathedral Cove, though, I know this remains such an issue for many businesses in the district because they see it as the key drawcard for international visitors and others. And just not sounding like there's a resolution to that closed-off walkway for quite some time.
1: Catherine, I listened to your interview and so did many other people on the Coromandel Peninsula last week with Tinica Mairns, who is uh, DOC's. Director, I think they call her Regional Director. And yeah, it's really sad. 320,000 people come to Cathedral Cove annually. And Doc have been telling us, as they told you the other day, and they followed up with me, they still do not have a plan or a target date to get what is an iconic tourist destination opened. So there is a lot of concern up here, um, so much so that even our Mayor, Len Salt, is now talking about taking a delegation to Wellington um, to try and get some answers, because he told us that there haven't been enough answers. And Scott Simpson, who is obviously our re-elected MP for Coromandel after the election, Scott is also working with Len to try and make that happen. So look, it's just, we don't know whether there's a backstory going on here or what, but it's just really something that's very hard to fathom at the moment.
0: Bring us up to date, if you would, with another crucial uh, lifeblood for the district, which is State Highway 25A.
1: Yeah, well, really interesting. We had a pretty positive story this morning. Um, we've been reluctant to sort of go, will it open early? And we put no pressure on Waka Kotahi at all about that. Um, but we got the biggest hint yesterday from Waka Kotahi that they may actually have the road open before their proposed March deadline. Um It all depends in terms of uh, weather and that sort of stuff. But the job actually started in late July. The biggest part of the job was to actually get those pillars and piles out of the ground. After that, it's pretty much like a Meccano set where everything just bolts together. And they told us yesterday that 60% of the job is now complete and that they are doing their absolute utmost to try and get it open so it is open for the summer months, which would just be a godsend for not just the people here, but also all the tourists that come to the region, Catherine.
0: So people aren't getting ahead of themselves, but they are uh, cautiously optimistic that that might be able to happen, and that seems to be the signals coming.
1: Yep, and I think we don't want to put any pressure on anybody and sort of say, well, look, it's going to be open for Christmas, but Everybody knows around here, Waka Kotahi have actually done a fantastic job. I was just had a, a coffee with uh, Matt Heap, who runs the local Pack and Save here in Thames. And as we were pointing out, it's amazing what New Zealanders can do if they've got the chance to do it. And there was uh, one of the engineers was quoted the other day how they're able to move so quickly when the government stepped in and took away all the red tape and all that sort of stuff that had to happen so they could get the project moving. So, yeah, people are are just being quietly confident around the region that we are going to see, hopefully it open earlier than predicted.
0: Now, what's happening with another piece of infrastructure? This is the seawall at the northern end of Thames.
1: Yeah, this is a suburb called Moana Tire. Um, It was built back in the 60s. Uh, they used a lot of old mine tailings when they put the subdivision in. There's just over 200 sections in there, and it was all reclaimed land, and there was a seawall that put around, was put around. Now, over the years, there's been various reports that the seawall is sinking and all those types of things. But The residents met earlier this year, and it was quite a big turnout. There was about 130 people that attended the meeting to actually discuss what is the future for the suburb. With um, sea level rising and that type of stuff, there is consideration that a significant amount of work is going to be required to actually protect the suburb. And you're talking, Catherine, there's been three options that have been put on the table to make sure that it does remain safe. The first is a cost of around $500,000. The second, option two, is about $4 million. Then option three is a massive $27 million. So goodness know who's going to fund that. But there is a meeting in Thames next Monday when all that is going to be explained to the local residents.
0: Very good. Uh, keep us posted. Thanks very much for your time. That is John Freer, who is with CFM in Coromandel Peninsula, Hauraki District.